Bet365 sponsors StarCast. And with over 45 million members, they're the world's favorite online betting company. Bet365's Bet Builder lets you create personalized bets and calculate the odds for any football match. Right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favorite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today it's Wham! The final match day of the 2019-20 season where Hansi gets everything he wants at Club Bavaria, championship beers are free, see the young guns of Borussia Mönchengladbach having some fun, realise that guilty feet have got no rhythm as Dortmund go out with a careless whimper against Hoffenheim, check in with the sad boys of Schalke, Royal Blues arm with love in the tennis sense and look at the relegation battle stations where we get, get, get on down with Fortuna, celebrate Werder's freedom, have fun with the boys who meet down the line in Heidenheim and see how SV go to the edge of heaven but turn a different corner again. All of this and much more in Stahlkast. Hello, I'm your man, and today's dynamic duo are Kevin Shirley Hatchard <laughs> and Christoph Pepsi Beermann. But before we get on, let me remind you that you can read all the Athletics Bundesliga coverage, including pieces on Wout Weghorst and an exclusive Oliver Bierhoff interview later this week for a 30 day free trial. You can sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Bundesliga spec. Right, let's talk Bundesliga. I guess we have to start down at the bottom today. Um, where all the, the stuff happened, in, in both leagues, really. Um, Christoph, Fortuna down, Werder up. Was that a surprise after the way things had been going in recent weeks? A big surprise, especially the uh, gigantic return of Werder Bremen as a football team. I mean, they have won one home game the whole season, or had one home game in the whole season, and that was in September, and uh, now they winning, were winning it 6-1 against Cologne. And also Union Berlin was brave and um, held Fortuna Düsseldorf down 3-0. Actually, nobody re um, at Düsseldorf really expected it because um, uh, when you, when you uh, looked at the final day of the season before that, um, everybody was thinking, yeah, Fortuna will grab a point in Berlin and Werder, uh, in the end, uh, they will, won't manage their second home win. Yeah, but everything uh, was different than the expectation and um, honestly, also my expectation. Well, I think um, Werder certainly have Union to thank for their spirited resistance against Dusseldorf, the same perhaps cannot be said of Cologne's uh, performance <laughs> against Werder, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. And I think Köln have been on the beach for a while. And I think Marcus Gisdol, the coach, is well aware of that. And he warned them a few games ago that they were playing for their futures. And they have paid no heed to that whatsoever. They've put in some really limp displays. But you have to give Werder enormous credit. I mean, if you look at the background to this, the previous 11 home games, they'd taken one point and scored two goals. It's remarkable to have jumped from that uh, to what they did. 
And even more amazing, because if you look at last weekend, I felt it was the first time in the whole season that Florian Kofeld looked as though he was a broken man. It was the first time that defeat in Mainz where he looked as if he didn't believe. And so to have gone from there to actually producing a performance as they did is an amazing turnaround. They've still got a tough couple of games coming up in the playoff. But I think what we saw here is that they have a well of talent to draw from and it's been, they haven't been able to do that for much of the season because the players have hugely underperformed. But at least it was there. Dusseldorf have been trying to play to their maximum. And if you look at the number of near misses they've had in the last few months, 2-0 up at Köln in the 89th minute, drew 2-2, 3-0 up at home to Hertha, drew 3-3, blew a lead in stoppage time against Frankfurt, conceded that Erling Haaland goal on the 95th minute uh, against Dortmund to lose that game. They all add up. And I think psychologically, they just couldn't handle the pressure. Yeah, I thought that was the most remarkable aspect of the the match, how Dusseldorf just completely crumbled uh, against Union. And I think it might have been one of those strange incidents that we have seen at times where maybe also due to the weirdly silent atmosphere teams just don't have sometimes that mental resilience to come back there's nothing that kind of pushes them or wakes them up and they were just sort of sleepwalking into into this defeat but I think you're right Kevin about Werder being in in much better shape personnel wise I think Marco Border there uh, advisory board member, former player, made the point that it was the first time this season that Niklas Füllkrug, Yuya Osako and Milot Rashica were all on the same pitch at the same time. And of course, those three proved absolutely instrumental in in beating Cologne uh, that convincingly. But Christoph, are there now heavy favourites um, to stay up against uh, Heldenheim, for, who for reasons that we will discuss shortly, <laughs> are the third... <laughs> best team in Bundesliga 2. Who who are they, first of all, and, and what are their chances against Werder? Um, I, I think Heidenheim is a, the huge outsider in, in the in the two playoffs matches. Um, uh, so Heidenheim is a... Um, Sorry, did I call, I called them Heldenheim, didn't I? Yeah, but uh, it's, 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 it's funny. I mean, uh, you, you can call them Heldenheim because yeah. they are they are the heroes of the uh, second yes, division. Because, I mean, they, they, they come from... Uh, from a small city of, of 50,000 inhabitants, 60, 70 kilometers from Stuttgart. And um, it's a typical Swabian area. So, and Swabian means there are a lot of uh, small companies that are very good in what they are doing. And so we, we, we call them uh, world market leaders in very small niches. And um, so there are some, some companies who are supporting the club as sponsors, but not big time. So there is no heavy investment in, in, in this club, but there is a, uh, they have a very sustainable uh, approach um, uh, how they run their club. They have Frank Schmidt, who is the uh, he- uh, head coach, the manager for, I, I don't know, it's 17 years or so. Um, and he, he brought them up from the uh, fourth division and all of the people who are running the club uh, are there for ages. They are locals. And um, so in, in a way, it's, it's a bit of a, not, not so much a fair fairy tale story but it's a story of um of people who are 
very with a very constant approach uh, developing a club over a long time and um, they absolutely deserve it to reach the uh, the playoffs but Again, for me, they are huge outsiders because what they have as a team is uh, they play very good organized collective football, but they don't have the big stars. And the only star they have is the legendary Mark Schnatterer, who is also there for many years, but he is now coming towards the end of his career, uh, famous for his um, set pieces, uh, famous for his long-range shots and uh, famous for being the most influential player in the history of Heidenheim. But he's aging and he is not having 90 minutes every week, so he comes on often, uh, but he doesn't have uh, f uh, full full games. Yeah, so they are interesting to watch, but uh, I say it again, huge outsiders and Werder will take them on on Thursday of this week and then the second leg on Monday no such luck of course for Paderborn who've gone straight down along with Fortuna as you mentioned but the other side of the table there was someone one or two surprising results as well perhaps not quite as dramatic as Werder's 6-1 win but what are we to make of Dortmund losing the final game of the season 4-0 against Hoffenheim I mean that was Shocking, even for someone who's been supporting Lucien Favre all along, Christophe. You must yeah. be, you must be very upset. I am, and um, I, I was already very upset when they were losing two 0 to Mainz in their last home game before before that. I think we have to talk about a certain lack of mentality with Borussia Dortmund. I mean, it's it's something I don't really like to talk about because it's it's so easy to yeah they lacking mentality, they are not resilient enough. Or, but so, but if you if you give away uh, games like that at the end of the season, I, I think it it tells you something about the character of the team or the character of of some of the players that you don't want to see. Yes, maybe we can can talk also talk about uh, Lucien Favre, who maybe is lacking a kind of approach to to use the whip to maybe wake them up. It, to wake them up but but they were uh, completely uh, they uh, were completely asleep so um i think that's something uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, needs to to think about they need to address maybe they have to have a serious talk with the with the manager but also with some of the players i thought it was really interesting that roman burke was absolutely raging in the post-match interview, he said that you looked at the second half, for example, there was one team that was up for it and one team that wasn't. And it even got to stay. I mean, you have to give Hoffenheim immense credit. Andre Kramaric, who is their best player by an absolute mile, scored all four goals, including a no-look penalty. And that kind of shows you the, the difference between the teams because he felt that they were so comfortable at that stage that he was able to do that. And I think, I think it is a concern because I think that lack of... Not respect, that's a bit too strong, but I think that inability of Favre to crack the whip, to motivate them in that way, does lead to this kind of result maybe. And I think the way that they've fallen away in the last few weeks, even though it makes no material difference, they were they finished second and you know that's probably where we expected them to finish. I, I still think it sends out a bad message. And I think he's got a lot of work to do in the summer to actually get them ready for a title push for next season. Well, certainly sort of performance that will 
encourage all of those who are saying, no, no, it's not Bayern's money, that's the problem. The others are just not trying hard enough. Um, well, Dortmund certainly didn't uh, on Saturday against Hoffenheim. But Borussia Mönchengladbach, the other Borussia, doing enough to get into fourth spot, a very convincing win on the final day of the season. They beat Hertha, which rendered Leverkusen's 1-0 win at the same time over Mainz immaterial. And it is now Borussia with Marco Rosa going into the Champions League. How important is that achievement, Christoph? It's very important. I mean, Borussia Mönchengladbach is a team that is in this world located between uh, Europa League and, and Champions League. So they, they are not a, not a club that has to play a Champions League, but a club that likes to play a Champions League. They have to play Europa League. I think that's uh, what they uh, designed on, and they are uh, planned for. But it, I, I think it's for, for Borussia Mönchengladbach, it's, it's something really special to play. They, they did it in the past um, several times, but um, it, they are no Champions League uh, regulars. And, and so, so um, uh, Max Eber, the, the manager, uh, said after the, the match that it was for them like winning the German championship and in a way that's true I think they are also a bit uh, overachievers because with the uh, financial possibilities that are at hand at Leverkusen for example or also at, at Wolfsburg I think it's 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 a very uh, fine thing to to qualify for the uh, for the Champions League everybody is very happy at at Mönchengladbach they took a lot of Good decisions last summer. Uh, the top decision was to assign Marco Rosa as uh, their new head coach from from Salzburg. But all their transfers were great to Ram Leiner, Ben Sebaini, and also Embolo, who looked like a a failure at Schalke. So uh, yeah, they are over many years. Borussia Mönchengladbach is a and it is an example of an extremely well-run club. I was on commentary duty for the Leverkusen game at the weekend, and that's the other side of the coin because they really messed this one up. I mean, this is a huge blow to them, I think, because they got that win not that long ago at Borussia Park. That gave them the initiative in the race for fourth, and they've just dropped too many points. They had a 1-1 draw at Schalke and they only just managed to uh, nick an equaliser late on. They had that really limp performance at Hertha last weekend. Uh, and I think from their point of view, it's a massive missed opportunity because you look at the quality of the players they have and the football that they play, that team should, I think, have finished in, in fourth and, and been able to lock this down. So I think as well as Peter Boss's develop the style of play as well as he's done and he has to get them to the DFB Cup final where they'll play Bayern um, and they have a chance of winning the Europa League. This feels like a major setback to me. Harry's sponsor Steikast, a podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Harry's was founded by Jeff and Andy, two ordinary guys who were sick and tired of overpriced razors. Jeff and Andy knew that there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. And now, by taking less profit, Harry's offers great quality products for a fair price. Their amazing quality blades are now almost half the price of the leading five blade brands. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave, weighted ergonomic handle, five precision engineered blades, rich lathering shave gel, 
and a travel blade cover. I've been lucky to receive a set recently and I must tell you, not only does it look very cool, it's also an incredibly pleasant way to deal with three months worth of quarantine stubble. Thumbs up from me. As a listener of Starcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. For £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Stahlcast. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what the knock-on effects are. I think for Leverkusen it'll be much harder to keep Kai Havertz for another season now that they're not going to be in the Champions League. However, of course, they can still win the Europa League and then get into the Champions League that way. Um, stranger things have happened. And for Borussia Mönchengladbach, conversely, their ability to keep players a little bit longer, um, being able also to attract, I'm sure, new emerging talent, just like the ones that uh, Christoph mentioned, will be a huge Huge bonus for them next season. We've talked about Hoffenheim briefly, who, thanks to that win and thanks to Wolfsburg's 4-0 demolition at the hands of Bayern, will go directly into the Europa League, whereas Wolfsburg have to go through a round of qualification games to make to make the Europa League. Uh, they lost 4-0 and they weren't happy with Dortmund's performance, uh, kind of blaming them for, for a lack of resistance, which brought out... Uh, Hans-Joachim Watzke, the Dortmund CEO, saying, well, if you lose 4-0 yourself, you better be quiet. Kevin, I don't want you to be quiet. What is Wolfsburg's um, true ceiling here? Are we, are they, are they, as Christoph was saying, a team that's underachieving or is that an acceptable performance to finish 7th? What do you think? You've known me for long enough to know that I'm never quiet, Rafa. Um, I think it's about right. I, I do think that sixth is probably where they should be um, in terms of the wages that they dole out, in terms of the squad that they have. Uh, I don't think they are particularly sparkling. I think Oliver Glasner has done a decent job of organising them. Uh, I think they have had games where they've played really well. I think they rely a lot on Wout Weghorst in attack. Uh, I think if they didn't have him in the side, I think they'd really, really struggle. I think, to be fair, they have had a lot of injury problems in midfield. Josue Gilavogi, their captain, who was sent off against Bayern, is an important player, and he's had a knee problem for much of the season. Uh, they've also... Ignacio Camacho was supposed to be a really good signing, and he's barely played. So a lot's been on the shoulders of Maxi Arnold in midfield, and he's done a really good job. So I think sixth, seventh is around about where they are. For me, they look miles off the top four at the moment, and it's difficult to know how they can bridge that gap because, you know, you wouldn't have thought that they will be spending more. Uh, they're not going to raise the level in terms of the wages and in terms of the transfers. So there's going to have to be some very, very clever recruitment, I think, if they are to bridge that gap. So uh, even though Oliver Glasner was playing it down for much of the season in terms of, well, there's no reason we should think we have an automatic right to qualify for the Europa League, I think that was always the target and they've done it. Before we go down to what happened um, in Bundesliga 2... At the weekend, perhaps one more word on, on Bayern. I thought one of the best things about coronavirus was that we didn't see the beer showers this year. Instead, some much more refined celebrations in the stands among the f- four or five Bayern bosses who made the trip to Wolfsburg. And a very understated but, but, but 
kind of emotional celebration from Bayern? What do you think, Christoph? It looked very genuine. Let me uh, first ask you, what's wrong about the, the beer showers? <laughs> what, what do you, you don't like about it? Are you already bored because you see it every year and you are happy about the change? <laughs> I think, first of all, it's, it's a waste, uh, all this beer, even though it is okay. uh, alcohol-free beer, but it's not quite the real thing. But Uh, more importantly, yes, I think it has become a bit of a cliche and I think it almost looks or has looked in recent years as if the players kind of are doing it because they feel they have to do it. Kind of a, a you know, a, an act uh, almost, whereas without the beer and uh, with a slightly socially distanced celebrations, it still came through as very, as a very happy occasion, um, which, which surprised me in a sense. Bayern seemed to be much much more touched by that win that perhaps you would have expected of a side who's won it now and for eight consecutive eight consecutive times. Yeah, but but they were also suffering a bit this season. Uh, not at the end, uh, not not after Hansi Flick came, but they were obviously um, they had a lot of problems with Nico Kovac as their coach at the beginning of the season. Um, also some kind of personal issues if you look at um, uh, Thomas Müller who looks like the comeback of the uh, season under Hansi Flick and Robert Lewandowski was uh, was breaking another record being now the there's only one one uh, goal scorer in the history of the Bundesliga um, who scored more often 30 goals than him that is Gerd Müller Uh, the great uh, Bayern uh, center forward, uh, maybe the biggest uh, player in the history of Bayern Munich. I think what we what we already discussed in in recent weeks, the the whole atmosphere that um, that you seem to feel when you see Bayern play, there is a lot of happiness in what what they are doing. There is a lot of um, they all seem to get along. Uh, pretty well, especially with their uh, coach Hansi Flick, and um, yeah, maybe that's the the explanation. You were suffering first, and then you uh, you you managed to turn things around uh, in a in a beautiful way. Hello, I'm James Richardson, host of the Totally Football Show, now part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We're going to be here following all the action as the 2020 football season reaches its belated conclusion. And if you're an Athletics subscriber, you can now hear exclusive ad-free versions of our show on the Athletic app. And don't worry, if you're not a subscriber, you can still listen to us for free with the occasional word from our sponsor by searching for The Totally Football Show on Apple, Spotify and all the usual podcast places. The Totally Football Show with me, James Richardson, still totally free and now totally ad-free on The Athletic. All right, well, I promise you some sexy Hamburg talk. First, we have to talk about the Hamburg of Bundesliga 1, and that's Schalke 04, sadly. They lost again at the weekend, 4-0 at Freiburg, to go 16 games without a win. That's basically the entire second half of the season, an all-time record um, of the wrong sort. David Wagner is supposedly staying Uh, they are, as we hear, introducing a new internal salary cap of 2.5 million euros. A lot of fans will be saying, what, so much, having seen recent results? But 
Where is this club going, Christoph? Going down. I mean, not right now, not in into the second division. But if they don't manage to turn things around dramatically, they will be a, a contender uh, for the relegation battle next season. I mean, they have enormous financial problems um, uh, that they're saying they they have this salary cap of um, uh, 2.5 million euros is also a bit saying like um, yeah yeah we have to uh, we don't have any money anymore although there are a lot of teams uh, uh, in the Bundesliga that would be happy to say if they uh, could could limit uh, themselves to 2.5 million because uh, none of their player earns that much but um, anyhow they have to completely rebuild a team without the uh, uh, without the uh, finance they need I think the uh, biggest problem is um, that uh, Schalke um, is feels like a club that is morally bankrupt we discussed it already some weeks ago when they were asking their season ticket holders to show some evidence that they need their money back um, from the games that they were missing this season. They um, released uh, some of their low-income workers who were playing, uh, driving around youth players. And uh, But the biggest problem is um, Clemens Tönnies, the, the head of the advisory board and the in this position at Schalke, the the man, the boss, he is in the middle of uh, one of the biggest political scandal in in Germany right now because uh, he is running one of the uh, not one of the he is running the biggest slaughterhouse, um, especially for pigs in in Germany and. Um, uh, he has a lot of contract workers from Romania and Bulgaria working for him and in his company um, they had enormous problems with high infections of the coronavirus and um, and so there was is even a lockdown in the area where the um, uh, where his company is lo located and um, my impression is that the sporting problems they're having are only the <laughs> is only the small smaller part of of the story because uh, there was a a demonstration on Saturday uh, during the match, uh, but not at Freiburg, but at, at Gelsenkirchen, where one and a half thousand uh, Schalke supporters were making a kind uh, with with social distancing. They were um, creating some kind of protest ring about uh, almost the whole of the um, Schalke stadium and training area and so on to protest against Tönnies and to protest against what's going on. Um, at their club and um, and yes you, you have the feeling that Schalke that is very much a club of the people they have completely lost what what uh, what their values are and so it's a huge crisis for the club the biggest since uh, I would say uh, 40 years or so I think the only way for them to go on the pitch is to keep on persevering with the youngsters because I think that's a really important thing in terms of optics. I think they have to really play up the role of the Knappenschmieder Academy and keep on bringing these guys like Bozduan, Kutuju, guys like that through, give them more games. There are players there, if they can keep them, 
who can make a difference, who've been injured. Guys like Salif Sane, if he's fit, he can make a difference alongside Ozan Kabak, maybe Benjamin Stombouli. If he comes back uh, from injury, he's an important player. Weston McKenney, if they can retain him, I think can play an important role in midfield. And I think if they concentrate on youth, if they get players fit, if they jettison a lot of the players who have underperformed for so, so long... This is a big summer for them. If they can get it right, and it's a huge question mark, if they can get it right, make the right signings, make promising signings, then I think there is still an opportunity for them to turn things around and actually be a team that could finish top half. But this is one of the most critical transfer windows in the club's recent history. They have to get it right. As long as Ahmed Kutucu is around, I'm sure there is hope. Uh, <laughs> I had to get a mention in somewhere. Uh, Kevin, yeah. Well, Schalke are in, in, in desperate trouble, but perhaps still not quite as bad as Hamburg, who, before the final match day of Bundesliga 2, needed a point at home against Sandhausen in case third-place Heidenheim were to lose at Bielefeld, who had already, of course, been promoted as champions of Division 2. An unlikely set of circumstances, if you will, but actually Bielefeld won 3-0 against Heidenheim. So it was down to Hamburg against Sandhausen, not one of the most storied teams in Bundesliga 2, to get that one point that would bring them into the relegation playoff place against Werder of all teams. But then what did they do, Christoph? They collapsed at home, 1-5 against Sandhausen. Um, no, they, they didn't. <laughs> they did. <laughs> and uh, they were 2-0 down uh, at halftime, but they could have been 4-0 uh, down or 5-0 down at that time already. And uh, they scored their only goal um, from, uh, from a penalty. That was 2-1. So they only needed a second goal and they would have been in the, um, in the playoffs. But maybe it was one of the uh, most interesting examples of, uh, of what uh, sports psychologists uh, are calling choking under pressure because um, they, they weren't able to, to handle the pressure and um, they completely lost it. I mean, they were playing so much below uh, what they are able uh, to play. So I think everybody who had prepared them uh, for, for that match, uh, be it Dieter Hacking or anybody else uh, around the team, um, they have to think hard uh, where, it, where it did go wrong. If they put too much pressure on them before that, or if, uh, but they they had the uh, a complete wrong mind frame, and uh, and now they are the laughing stock of German football. And the greatest indignity was that uh, <laughs> Dennis Diekmeier, who played many, many games for Hamburg and never scored, and when he did finally score a pro goal for Sandhausen, they made a commemorative t-shirt of it. Uh, <laughs> he got the fifth and final goal for Sandhausen, and I thought it was really interesting that on social media, the official uh, English language Twitter account for Hamburg said... If you can't beat Sandhausen at home, you don't deserve to win promotion. Well, hang on. They've just wiped the floor with you 5-1. <laughs> so maybe we need a little bit more respect for Sandhausen, I think. Yeah, hard to be too respectful of Hamburg's performance and their social media game after a 
catastrophic final day of the season. But this one uh, was anything but. Our final regular pod of the Steyrkast season was a great success, as it always has been. Thank you very much for Kevin and Christopher coming on. Thank you, dear listener. We'll hit you up with more stuff very soon.